Hi everybody, Joy here. As you guys know, I have started my podcast to share my entrepreneurial journey with everybody. And I thought what better way to do that than to share the entrepreneurial journey with other entrepreneurs. And today I have Scott and he is going to share his journey with us. Follow along on this podcast where I will be sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you all. This is my podcast, Entrepreneurial Journey, and I am Joy Nicholson. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? I am so honored to be here, Joy. Doing wonderful. Uh, absolutely just excited. And, uh, you know, I think it's the best way for entrepreneurs to learn about the journey because we all go through trials and tribulations and hurdles and potholes. It is not a straight road. It's not always the easiest road. But I think that's <laughs> us entrepreneurs need to know that. And it's a great way to, that way you can seek counsel versus advice from people. So. It- Exactly. And it's not just about the fluff because people actually, they struggles and, you know, sharing their struggles is so, so important. So in saying that, can you tell people a little bit about you, you know, where you come from, where you grew up, just so they can get to know you as a person? Yes, ma'am. I'm glad to. I am uh, home in Austin, Texas. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Southwest Texas on the, on the water to Gulf of Mexico called Ingleside. Uh, Dad owned the local hardware store, fix up store. So I worked in there as a young age. So I've always had the entrepreneurial bug uh, to, to work on the weekends or after school by either doing fix-its or mowing lawns or uh, doing whatever I could to make a buck. And that led to me going off to college. I was an athlete and I played uh, American football and had an academic and athletic scholarship for a couple of years and enjoyed that and uh, transitioned out of that um, into studying business, graduated from business school and, uh, got into working in kind of the finance markets. I was a banker, a financial advisor, um, started getting into real estate investing all about the 2004, 2005 time here in the United States. Okay. Um, was, uh, we did a really great job with uh, mortgages here. And then of course, everything hit the fan with the, the market meltdowns in 2009, 2010. Yes. And, and fortunate for me, I had some friends that taught me creative financing and and how to buy and sell and invest in distressed debt and distressed mortgages that we have here in the state. So luckily for me, I, I made the jump when everything was hitting the fan and started buying distressed debt, distressed mortgages across the United States. Uh, and I've done, been doing that for the last 10 years and have helped a lot of other real estate investors and entrepreneurs uh, find success in this very small niche of uh, real estate investing. That is a very, very, very unique because I mean, you hear about people buying and selling houses on eBay and doing all of these things. But what I, what you are saying, I've never actually heard somebody actually telling, you know, about the stress. So when you say that, do you mean that people that are struggling to pay their mortgage and then you come in, you buy the house from them and then you sell it? Um, I, I actually buy from the bank. So uh, where I, we buy from you know, bank or financial institutions who have made the loans to homeowners, and then the homeowners are struggling through either some sort of um, distress that they've lost their job, they've gotten yes. sick, divorce, uh, or the market has crashed or de- depreciated them on some sort of fashion, and yes. they haven't been paying for a while. So then I'll step in okay. and buy that debt uh, at a percentage, not the full value, but I buy it at a big discount from the bank or the, the mortgage company. Yeah. I become the bank, and then we reach out to the homeowner to say, hey, what's happened? Let's work with you. Let's try to create a win-win. And I prefer to keep them in the house. I don't want to actually own the property. I want to own the mortgage because I don't want to do any work. And so uh, I can be the biggest help. But as we like to say, uh, we like to rehab the borrowers, not the property. Okay, nice. That is so awesome that you actually give them the option to stay in the house. And that's so awesome. I really love that. Wow. That is really, really cool. Okay, so 
what is your biggest struggle with this thing that you're doing? Like, what is your, your challenge? So the, the biggest challenge has been, uh, everybody knows about f- fixing and flipping houses and being a landlord and all the, you know, the TV shows on TV where they buy it, you know, you know, like this is Ron Cardone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's not what I do. I, I come from a banking mindset. So it's, it's educating people properly on exactly what we do. So when I'm out in public, Oh, look, you're a realtor. I'm like, no, Oh, you're a mortgage broker. No, <laughs> what I do. And, and the thing is it's very, it can be very lucrative if you treat it right and you know what you're doing, but it, it, it's just the, you know, people don't have the patience these days to learn something new. Everybody wants instant gratification. And that's the thing that we struggle with more than anything else is getting people that will take the time to learn their business. The 10,000 hour rule that, you know, Grant talks about 10 X in your business. You just got to take time and be patient. And it's, and the patient still is also for the opposite side dealing with borrowers who maybe haven't been paying for two, three years. Wow. You know, listen, I know you've been living kind of scot-free, but Scott's not here to get, I, I, I don't run a charity. I can help you, but I need you to make your payment and uh, let's get rocking and rolling. Otherwise you won't want to deal with me at that point. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That is so awesome. And um, okay. So obviously then for you, the patience is a problem. That's the challenge for you then the patience side. Oh, but that's like an entrepreneurial problem. Everybody has a problem with patience. They want to make money now, not yesterday, now. Okay. So um, within this, what has been your greatest accomplishment? I was actually in a few years back, I was nominated and awarded the educator of the year in my field. Oh, nice. (laughs) It was was a big accomplishment because when I started doing this uh, over a decade ago, there's a conference that happens every year that awards the educator of the year. So I set a goal for myself. I said, I would really love to walk across that stage in Las Vegas and win the educator of the year award. And it happened out of the blue. I didn't expect it. Um, it was, it's more of a sign that my students have really done well and nominated me for the award. Nice. And, uh, I was in the running for it again last year and came in, um, in the top three in the country of all educators in the industry in, in the United States here. I came in as a, as yeah. a runner up. So pretty excited about it. Fantastic. Congratulations on that. That is really, really something cool. Okay. So in saying that now you say you have this in the beginning of this podcast, you said that you've always been an entrepreneur you know, in your life. So what is, as a kid, like your own thing, what was the own thing that you did as a kid? Did you do something? <laughs> I, I mowed lawns. I mowed lawns and did lawn it's care. Like a, for boys to mow lawns. <laughs> but I did, I did things year round. So it would go from like mowing lawns to fixing fences to digging ditches. Uh, I worked an ostrich farm. I had friends mm-hmm. that owned an ostrich farm in South Texas. So nice. uh, on rainy days, I'm sitting there with a pump, pumping out water out of the pens or white, uh, you know, doing all that stuff. It was basically anything I could do on the weekends to make money. And I eventually grew up where I had five, six of my buddies that were working for me to make money as well on the weekend. Uh, so I ran a crew by the time I was 14. <laughs> that is so cool. I don't think I've ever heard of everybody recruiting their buddies when they were still like a team themselves. That's pretty cool. Well, I made money and they're like, how are you making money? And I'm like, here, come work for me. You got to put a little bit of elbow grease into things. <laughs> awesome i love it <laughs> okay um so you obviously have staff that works for you right so what is that and actually i don't think i've actually asked this question on my interview before but uh, what is that thing that you do to look after your staff that's a really good question and i think entrepreneurs the, the, if you want to make a, a six figures or 100 grand the most important hire for you is you hire your assistant hire a good assistant because they will delegate and find ways for you to make money and a lot of entrepreneurs 
we're control freaks that we don't want to delegate. We want to do it all ourselves or we, we tell ourselves they're not going to do as good a job. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to do as good as a job, but delivered is better than perfected is the way to look at it. And so what I like to do is I like to make sure and hire people that are not my same personality. You know, I'm good at marketing. I'm good at conversations. I'm the life of the party. I would want somebody who's not going to be the life of the party, but who could be more di- uh, diligent on lists or paperwork. So that's the big thing is hiring somebody that's to your weaknesses. That's their strength. Mm-hmm. And then finding out what makes them ticks. Not, it's not money for everybody. Maybe it's freedom to work from home half the week or, um, they get excited about the opportunity of what we do, or they want to become a realtor. So we help them get their licenses. So that's what I always tell my staff is like, listen, I understand we all have differences of what we're focused on and goals. What are your goals and how can we help you achieve those things? And, and maybe it leads to you leaving and, and not working for me in two years or three years. I'll be the happiest person if you go on and are able to achieve some big things. So asking what their motivates them, um, listening. Sometimes you got to be a, a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a heart, you can't be black and white on everything in your office. Um, you've got to work a little bit. I mean, we've had a staff that worked in office a lot. Now most of my staff works remotely, which allows for them to have the freedom to work from home Nice. and they're actually more productive, you know? So yeah. if I can get, if I can get four days out of them, I'm fine. Like, Hey, take Fridays off or take a you know, Monday off. If you want to have a longer weekend, I'm totally fine with that. A little bit of flexibility. And they love that freedom that comes with that. So. Yeah, because obviously, you know, happy staff is good staff. You know, if your staff is happy, they're motivated and they give it your all. They give them all to you. Wow. That was, <laughs> you know. I got yeah, But you're right. They, they, will, they will show up when others won't. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they won't just clock in. If you need them to work a little bit late, they'll work late. And I'm like, okay, take a couple hours off the next day and, mm. you know, just incentivize them. Well, sometimes we'll just stop and, hey, let's go have a, a pint at mm. the pub or, you know, hey, let's, hey, we're going to go to the movies tonight. You know, or here's tickets to the hockey game or the football game. So we, we try to have fun with everything. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And team building is important. Okay. So apart from money, what is the driving factor in your business? I would, I would say my, my, uh, my girlfriend, Stephanie, um, we've been together for uh, six years now. We both had our starter marriages, as I say, uh, <laughs> we're not, ha- we're not married. We're happy. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that we both love to do is to travel. And that's a big thing. We love traveling. We don't have kids except the four-legged kind. And so that's the big thing. We always are, are trying to book two or three big excursions or trips. And that's one thing um, we've been, I've been very, very diligent. One of my coaches and mentors told me early on that you will, people will work themselves to the bone and I'm a workaholic. So to make sure to recharge your batteries, to go ahead and schedule those vacations, schedule those big trips, um, even if it's tight and things are going on, it helps you to take that time to have the downtime to re- refresh your batteries, to mm-hmm. reconnect with your spouses, especially if they're not in the business with you. That's an important thing to have that. And that's, that's the really thing. We love to travel. We love to experience new things. So we, we'd like to travel to Europe. We're going to try to make it down uh, to your neck of the woods before too long as well. For Ooh, us. That'd be fantastic. Make sure that you're on the South Island because that's where I am. So we can always hook up somewhere. That'd be great. Uh, but it is good advice because um, I also had a mentor when I started my journey. And that was also funny enough. One of the things that he said is that make sure that you've got those things booked in because it's something that you look forward to. And uh, we actually, yeah, in December, like we, well, in the next week or so, we also doing exactly the same thing, you know, going away. And uh, it is, it's important to connect with your family because you actually lose touch with the people in your life because you're so focused in your business. It's very true. 
Um, and I'm a mom of two, so I completely have the guilt trip <laughs> that goes with all of it. <laughs> um, they're not so forgiving as the four-legged friends that you've got, <laughs> you know, the furry, the furry babies. <laughs> okay, so what do you um, attribute to your success? Man, what do I attribute to my success? I would say uh, my work ethic that I got from my parents. Um, if somebody tells me no, that I'm not good enough, that drives me. Mm -hmm. uh, to prove them wrong. But I, I was just simply saying uh, having a leadership mindset has helped more so than anything else. I, I get more excited than anything in seeing success in my students and my clients and having them close deals or, or make money and them change their lives. That's what really gets me excited about. So I, I'm always the big proponent that if I can make those who are around me successful, I'll naturally ride with it when the tide rises. And so um, I've had people tell me that with what we do in our niche, that we're the best at what we do because we provide more content and more nuggets and then um, really don't try to hold anything back. We really, hey, here's this, here's a tool, here's a vendor and really uh, have changed the mindset in the industry instead of, oh, what can you do for me versus what can I do for you? <laughs> That's the thing. Serve your clients. So let's get a little bit into that. So can you tell me like how's that content? Because you're obviously a digital guru, right? Digital marketing guru, you know what you do. So can you tell us a little bit, like take us to a very, very basic progress, a process, like from start to finish, what is like that basic line that you will take to be a successful sale? So here's what I, I do. I'm a big believer that you've got to provide content and that we're not in the tiddlywinks or the notes or whatever space. We're actually all in the media space these days. True. So uh, what we were all competing for eyeballs and earballs, as I like to say. Okay. So we, we mark our calendar out every day. The first hour of every day is all about marketing. So that's coming in and either filming a podcast episode or sharing the epi uh, an episode replay from a webinar we do on Monday nights mm -hmm. or, or um, coming up with some sort of content. So that's the thing. We've got thousands of videos on YouTube. And so we're all, if somebody subscribes to something or opts into something, um, I make sure to send a message out to them. You know, like if somebody will opts into one of our text messaging services, I get a notice. So I will take a second and literally do this. Take a minute to film a short little, hey, Grant, it was nice to meet you. That's Love to visit with you. And send it to them and text it to them. And nope, they're like, Scott Carson's texting me? And, <laughs> and uh that's, you know, that gets, cause we, a lot of people that reach out and say, you know, I've followed you for three months or six months. Now I'm ready to sign up for a class. And you know, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And it, that's the thing that I realized is that, Hey, you've got to take time in marketing to let those seeds grow and germinate. And so that's the thing we know when we do a video, it's not for instant gratification. It may be three or six months. You know, if somebody signs up for a workshop, great. Um, you know, we start them off at like an opt-in thing for like 97 bucks and then to 699 and then, to a thousand bucks and then if they really want to go for them then they can come in and spend a couple of days with me at, you know at our advanced coaching stuff but yeah it's literally just being being regularly with the content you know we do three to five podcast episodes a week uh, every monday night we do a webinar we call it note night in america that'll get you know 200 to 500 people on nice. and if, if we don't do them i mean we'll skip every once in a while with an event or the holidays but um uh, if, if we don't do it regularly people are like calling and you know are, you, are scott all right are you all okay and you just have to continue to give content. You, what you yeah. think you know every up here, people don't know. And we, we as entrepreneurs take for granted on things that we are experts at. That's just one little nugget may mean nothing to us, but it means a whole lot to somebody else out there who's starting off.
Yeah, exactly. Because you don't actually realize the knowledge that you have until you meet somebody that does not know anything. And then you think back, it's like, oh my word, I was actually there a year or two ago. And then you're like, okay, let me take 10 steps back and help this person from scratch. Um, and that's something I find with my students that I'm teaching is that I'm going right in the middle and I'm like, what are you talking about? You're confusing the majingles out of me. I'm like, oh, sorry, let's take five steps back. So it's, it's very true what you say. I completely agree with that. Okay. So, um, how do you scale your business? Oh, how do I scale my business? It all comes down to marketing. And so one of the things that we, we have kind of a two pronged approach. We have the asset management side, where we're buying these mortgages and we also have the education side of the business. So, um, since we're talking entrepreneurial and kind of digital marketing, let's talk about the education side of the business. Cause it all comes, it, it kind of similar. Um, yeah. The more emails, the more marketing that we put out, the more mm -hmm. speaking opportunities I have, the more opportunities I have to offer somebody a program and educational material or get it in a coaching. So one thing that I did this last year in 2019, I started seeing the power of, of what my podcast was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get about 700, uh, we average 759 downloads per day. That ebbs and flows a little bit. Okay. Well, we've got 530 episodes, so that helps a little bit, okay? That's still, that's amazing. Um, yeah, well, we're, at, you know, we're, we're just under half a million downloads, and um, we're, we're pretty excited about things. But the thing I, I realized, I started seeing a, a tick in my downloads when I appeared on other people's podcasts. And so we said a big thing this year, and, and the way you have to look at appearing on somebody else's podcast, whether they got 20 people or 1,000 people listening, it's an audience. And it's easier to do versus flying across country and speaking. And I love Zoom. I do a lot of Zoom webinars as well for people. Yeah. But I, I set a challenge for myself to be on 100 podcast episodes this year where I was a guest. Nice. That's a this good marks one. This marks episode or interview number 100 for the year, actually, on your podcast. Yay! So, you're, seriously, I was like, no, I want to be a, I want to be on Joy's podcast for number 100. I didn't tell you about that. <laughs> That's but, awesome. I love it. <laughs> but but it, it's helped us. I mean, tremendously numbers going up and it's been just kind of, Hey, let me make sure and get at least two interviews out a week. Sometimes we have 10 interviews, oh, wow. you know, it flows, but um, I, I made that a focus and that's helped lead to other things when it's for assets that we're looking for. It comes mm -hmm. the same type of marketing thing. You've got to send email blasts out to our asset managers and bankers. Mm -hmm. We also jump on LinkedIn and spend a big time tar targeting them on there too. Yes. And then dialing for dollars. We also do do that. And sometimes throughout the year, we'll employ some of our students to come in and we'll just have a call blitz day where we just dial as many phone numbers as we can in a day or two. And that always leads to an uptick of more deals coming in. So it's all putting marketing out. Mm. You, you got to go out and find it. Most of the time it's not going to come to you. So you got to go put it out there and, and, and go fishing. So. That's awesome. I love I'm 100. I feel special now. But uh, you know what? It's very true what you say about the podcast episodes because um, I I told you before we actually pushed the record buttons, I've got about two to 300 downloads a day. But in saying that, um, I have put people in touch with people because I've been building relationships. Uh, you know, so um, I, I've interviewed this one lady that was doing amazing in Amazon sales. And I've just sent her a lot of students that wants to be in that space because I've got not to, and I don't want to know. It's not my thing. Um, but this is the thing. So you just, and that's just one example, but it's like really nice when you talk to people like, oh, wait, I've got this person that I can send you to for this. And it's just, it's a, it's a really small, but really big market at the same time. Um, and that's why I love the podcast because you just built relationships and networking. That is really, really cool. 
So tell me a little bit about the note closes. Like how did that, how did that come about? How did the name come about? Cause it's a very, very awesome name. You know, so we started um, a couple years ago. We, we, I have a mastermind that I've taught for 10 years now. We've done 23, 24 mastermind events. Yeah. And so I started doing a webinar series. I interviewing people that were closing. So the note closers is what we called them. People, my students that were closing 50 to hundred deals, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, highlighting them, not me, but highlighting them, their business models, where they were doing things that were working for them. And that little like, you know, web series did really well. And we started doing, you know, Monday, these Monday night webinars. And I really didn't want to do a podcast. Didn't want to do it at all. But I was sitting in Las Vegas and I saw uh, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank get on stage and talk about how video is important and the fact that Facebook Live has this daily video feature. You need to be doing more and more video because that's the wave of the future. Yeah. And so I came back in November 1st, 2016 and said, okay, we'll start doing Facebook Live videos. We'll just call it the Note Closer Show. It'll be like a people are on a, a fly on the wall with what's going on in our business and what topics I had. So we just started doing 150 Facebook lives continuously. And in that process, my buddy that come to me originally to start the podcast, he finally said, Hey, you don't have to do all the work. I can help you with production. I'm like, I don't have to, I just have to film it like this and send you the file and you do everything. He's like, yeah, I'm like done. Let's do it. <laughs> and so we launched it and we just stuck with the same name because we'd already built a brand around it. And it's just been, it's just blossomed. It's, it's, it's not the most precise thing, but we are in such a very, very small niche mm. that it works well for us. That's so cool. I love it. And it's so, something so small became something so big. And uh, it's that little burst of ideas, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the thing too is I didn't want to say the Scott Carson's show because there's other Scott Carson's out there, including a very famous uh, goalie for an English football team, okay, a soccer club. <laughs> so we want to make sure closing notes, and that was the main focus. So if you look for it, you don't see my face anywhere. You don't see my name anywhere. You just see the Note Closure Show podcast. And that's, that, that's been the focus because it's the focus of the show, not about me. And we, we bring on, it's, you know, it's half interviews with vendors or other people, entrepreneurs or, or mindset. And the other half is nuts and bolts training of what we're doing in the note industry. That's awesome. That's such an idea. It's a great spin to it. It's a really, really cool spin to it. Okay. So tricky question. Um, well, you can take it as a strict question or not, but what is your biggest strategy um, in your business? Like everybody, because I've spoken to a lot of people that are making a lot of money and they all have a secret strategy somewhere in their business. What is your strategy? Well, I, we've, we've had to revamp it. I will tell you this. We revamped what we've done over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, originally, I was going out and speaking, traveling 40 weeks out of the year. Uh, and I wore myself out there and I, so I had to do something different. So we started, uh, we went away from doing live like hotel uh, conferences and seminars mm -hmm. to basically doing webinar uh, classes nonstop now. Nice. So we do three to four workshops online like this via Zoom. Mm -hmm. We'll have anywhere from like we did one this last week and we had 65 registrants on it for the weekend for three days all the way up to we do a, a three day virtual online summit with two Zoom rooms. 40 speakers and somewhere between 700 and 1100 attendees. Wow. That is incredible. So the last three years we revolutionized really the real estate by just focusing on online seminars and that allows for us to reduce the cost because we're not having to pay 10 grand in overhead for a hotel, travel, food, beverages. Um, we're not paying a couple grand in printing costs, provide manuals. Yeah. Um, 
it saves our attendees about 2000 bucks, so they don't have to buy tickets, airline tickets, hotels, they sleep at home, stay with their family, eat the food, um, and it, it becomes evergreen content, because the minute we do one of these, it's easy to record it, and now we can share it almost immediately with those that attended or those that missed specific sessions because they were, you know, had family issues or something. So it's really revolutionized how we do business. It's, it's it cut overhead and dramatically and increased profitability on the events so that we don't have to worry about, Oh my God, we got to sell so much stuff to pay for everything. Now uh, it gives us a lot more cavalier attitude a little bit about doing the event and really focusing on the content and really focusing on, on the, the giving the, the information to the, those that are online. People can still jump on like you and me and I can talk with them. They can ask questions. Yeah. We do online Facebook groups or a, a base camp group so they can still network or still grab files or other things that we share. And so that was the biggest change is the, the whole online focus of doing this and leveraging the power of video and power of online stuff to, to, to really get our message out. I and mean, it's just absolutely it done amazing for our business. Stuff does that tremendously. That is incredible, Scott. I've never heard of anybody having so many attendees on a, you know, on a webinar. That is incredible. Wow. wow. You know, I, they, they weren't all there at one point, but they were no, but still 700, 800 people live. I mean, we broke Google, uh, we broke a Google Hangout when we did it one time. So we had to go to something else. And we, that's why we love Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> that was actually my next question. Don't you break things when you do that? <laughs> we, yeah, pretty much. You want to make sure you have good internet connection. Yeah. Um, we broke lead pages. We broke uh, Google Plus. So that's why we had to change things up and tweak it up. But, you know, that was one of the things we learned. We had uh, we were filming one thing and delivering via Google Plus, and it, it crashed on us. So we, I had to immediately jump on through my phone and share it to, like, a Facebook Live. And suddenly it went viral. I was like, okay, we've got to start sharing our video in our Facebook groups, too. And that's helped us get conversions because we'll have people that watch the Facebook video that will sign up for something that we weren't intending. So it's just extra gravy as we, we look at it. That's awesome. That's incredible. Well done, you. Okay. So last question. Um, what is that secret sauce that you can give somebody? Like if somebody's starting out an entrepreneurial game or they're in it and they're struggling, um, what is your piece of motivation or your advice for them? Here's what you should do. There's somebody who is doing what you've, you're doing as an entrepreneur, but is three years, five years, 10 years ahead of you. The most, and I've always found this, the most successful people are usually the most approachable, okay? Mm -hmm. So go and talk to that person, interview that person, take them to lunch, take them to dinner, you know, spend time with them, send, send them a thank you card ahead of time, you know? But listen to them because they'll tell you the true uh, roadblocks and pitfalls and things to avoid. Mm -hmm. Listen to them and then stop listening to your friends and your family who have never done it. Um, yeah. I, I, one of my advisors and mentors, Greg Reed, who's the author of Think and Grow Rich, Three Feet from Gold and a bunch of other books. Um, producer for the, the, the Wish Man, which is a story about the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, he, he taught me early on to seek counsel instead of advice. Everybody has advice, but they don't have the experience to really give you true valuable counsel to help you along on your journey. So that's tough sometimes because our, our closest friends and family members want to protect us. And so that's why they may give us bad advice because they've never done it or, and don't believe that you could do it because they themselves have fears and tribulations that they, they can't overcome. So go out, seek counsel, not advice. Talk to somebody who's a few years ahead of you 
most of the time they're glad to advise you. If they're not, then it's the wrong person to look for. Mm -hmm. But they're but see, you got somebody who's, who's where you want to be and ask them, not somebody who's sitting next to you on the couch. I love it. That is awesome. Counsel. I must remember that one. Where can people find you? Really easy. Just go to weclosenotes.com. That's our main uh, website. You'll find our podcast there. You'll find everything there at weclosenotes.com. If you'd like, I've got a book that they can download for free. If they just go to the noteblueprint.com slash uh, a book, they can download my, my free 73-page book on the note business for free. No, 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 no cost, nothing. Love to send it to them. But just go to weclosenotes.com. Everything we have is there. And um, I'm glad to help anybody else out out there. We actually have some of our investors are from New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. And uh, uh, we've got some, actually, we've got a, actually a, uh, about 2% of our total listener base is in New Zealand, actually, listen to what we do, have going on. So, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> That's great. And we will pop the links in the bottom of the podcast and on the YouTube video and all of the beautiful things. And um, yes, Scott, it has been an honor and an absolute pleasure. I had a lot of fun on this interview and I appreciate your time. And um, I'm still like 100 episodes. That's pretty cool. So I'll give myself fun for that. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you and I appreciate your show. And I just appreciate everything that you do. Thank you hey, so much. Hey, thank you. And you guys listening here, do Joy a favor. Go on over. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, subscribe. Leave her a five-star ratio. Leave her a nice review. Come on. She's kicking butt and taking names and providing so much great content with guests. I'm not talking about me. She has some amazing people on here. Go on there. She didn't pay me to do that, but it's worth it. Trust me. Do it now. Thank you. Thanks, God. Bye.